Before Angie shares the scripture with you, I would like to give you some context that I think will help you enter into the story. Jesus is a close friend to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Scripture tells us that he was in and out of Bethany a great deal. This was sort of one of his go-to places to rest and just to be with people who he counted as family. Bethany was right outside of Jerusalem, just shared the same water and air. I mean, just right close to each other. Lazarus has been ill, and he is close to death, and a message is sent to Jesus in the hope that Jesus would come and be with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In the scripture right before where Angie's going to read, Jesus says intentionally he was going to delay going to them. And in that delay, he was going to create the opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed. Imagine the tension that must have been to delay going to people you love so that you can do another mission and purpose. And also, by the way, at the end of that passage, Thomas, one of the disciples, says, let us also go that we may die with him. Because by this time, there were those who literally wanted Jesus dead. And so they turned eventually and went to where Mary and Martha were now in grief because Lazarus has died. With all of the anxiety and emotions and fears that one could ever contain. And that's where the story is as Angie picks it up with you now in this part of John 11. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt down at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus said, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, 
Unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be be to to God. God. Allow the words in my mouth and the thoughts and the emotions that well up within us in this hour. Allow the relationships that we have with those across the aisle, across the pews. Allow everything that we offer to you in this place today. Take us to a place of glory by letting us go. Letting us get away from. Letting us being set free by your grace. Bless the hearing of your holy scripture and bless the living of it out. In all the ways that it's possible for us to accomplish this according to your name. The precious name of Jesus Christ by which we pray. Amen. Letting go is so hard. my life, I've come to discover both through my journey and other people's journeys that sometimes what's hard to let go of are those devastating moments in our life, those moments of the greatest lows and defeats. And sometimes it's hard to let go of the greatest highs of our life, places we always want to go back to. Letting go is hard. When you experience the loss of the love of your life, it's not easy to get over it. And perhaps it's more honest to say one never gets over it, but rather that you try to figure out how to live with that loss. Grief can overwhelm us. Grief can cling to us and push us to places of loneliness and sadness and seem to capture us and bind us. In the battle to know how to go on in life, while at the same time not wanting to feel like you're betraying your great love, or minimizing the loss is a hard balancing act. When we lose opportunities and blessings, like schooling opportunities or a job that we have, It can shake our confidence and our sense of security. All the expectations that we had started to build up by that job or those opportunities get shattered in a moment, and we're afraid because what we thought the future was going to be is no longer clear to us. And the uncertainty wells up within us as to what we will need to do to replace that opportunity, to get a new job, and where we will have to go to find it. In times of betrayal and in times when we are attacked, we can find our confidence shaken so far so that it threatens to reshape us and rename us as victims. Our assumptions of trust and belief in others is hard to rebuild, seemingly impossible at times. We have a hard time of letting go of the moment of that betrayal or that attack. And to live in a world that feels as bright again seems remote. I also know that there are times when we have those great moments in our past. 
We just never want to leave them. It's hard to let go of them. I know sometimes people never live in the place that their driver's license says they live. Because while their body may go in and out of that address, the fact is they're living at a place they've left, a place they call home, a place where they were known and they knew everyone and, and life was truly a blessing and it's so hard to live as an alien in your own neighborhood. Some of us have moments in our life, in our history, where, man, it was great. I mean, we quite frankly are not sure we'll ever have it that good again. The work, the place, the location, maybe the victory we won, whatever it is, we, we go back to that. And we like telling people about that moment. And some of us spend the rest of our life trying to recreate that moment, recreate that relationship, recreate that victory. Sometimes it's the loss of embracing the life that is around us. It's true for people. It's also true for organizations and institutions. The church at times can look back at its glory days as if its glory days were past and try to attempt to relive those days, to recreate what once was and lose out on the opportunity of being the relevant people of God in the world today, making a difference in people's lives. It's hard to let go. What do you need to let go? What do you need to let go in your life so that you can move forward, so that you can live today? Mary and Martha were in deep grief when Jesus arrived. Lazarus, their brother, was dead. And of course, his death itself was enough reason to be in deep grief. But there are other reasons, too, the threads that often occur around those moments in our life that sometimes people don't see, like with Lazarus' death, Mary and Martha no longer had legal standing in the community because of the patriarchal society, so they were not assured that their future would be well. They were scared for their very livelihood, for where they would live, for how they would eat, and they would become dependent on the grace of a community. But they were also shaken in their faith because Jesus had not shown up when they expected him. They were close friends. They expected Jesus to stop what he was doing and come to them because they were close friends. And at a time like that, you need your close friends with you. And of all of their close friends, he's the one you would have thought would have come. But he didn't come when they thought they needed him, when they asked him to come. And not just their close friend. They had begun to see in Jesus and hear some of the things he had to say that he was perhaps more than just a good friend. He had healed others. Maybe he could have come and saved Lazarus' life. Maybe, maybe he was going to be their Savior, their Lord. So why didn't he come when they needed him? Jesus arrives and Mary looks up and says to him, Jesus, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, do you hear that as a profession of faith? A profession saying, you know, Jesus, I know that within you there is power that you could have healed him. It's an affirmation. Or do you hear in it what I hear in it, which is it's not so much affirmation as it is frustration and sarcasm. Translated, 
Where the heck were you? I was counting on you, and you didn't show up, God. Where were you? Why didn't you come? Have you known what it is to be frustrated that God doesn't show up when you expect God to show up? If you've been in those moments, you can understand how easy it is to have anger and hope live side by side. How easy it is you can have doubt and faith live side by side. How easy it is to want to hold on to something and punch something at the same time. Because in those moments, our frustrations and our thoughts are all over the place. Jesus hears Mary's question. And he asked Mary, I need to go to the burial site where Lazarus is. And he turns to go. Jesus is about the business of going on and doing something. He's ready to take action. And then it happened. Commentators talk about verse 35 as if Jesus is responding to the emotion of Mary in front of him, his good friend. And while I do believe that's true, I also add the fact that I think verse 35 talks about all the other things that were being carried in his gut. All the other things he'd been going through. People hadn't been listening. People had misunderstood him. People were praising him for the wrong things. He was there in the middle of a group of people. He knew some of those folks wanted to kill him while others praised him. He turned to go and take action, and in a moment, his emotions caught up with him. Have you ever been shocked when your emotions will no longer be kept tamped down? When you get caught and you know that you aren't going to say anything because if you start to speak, they're going to know you're about to break? Jesus turned in verse 35, is the shortest verse in all of Scripture, Jesus wept. Or in the translation we have in front of us today, Jesus began weeping, which I love. Because it doesn't tell us when he stopped. And in that moment, Jesus quit being a divine robot. Just about going to the actions and let me resurrect uh, Lazarus and let me go heal this person and let me go do this miracle. In that moment, Jesus becomes extremely accessible to us. And to Mary. And when he gets done weeping or as he's weeping, we're not sure. He begins to move to the burial site, and he asks for the stone to be removed. Now we encounter Martha. Mary's the emotional one. Martha's the rational one. Mary's the one who is at the feet of Jesus, but Martha's getting the meal ready. You know Martha? I'm seeing some Marthas out there. Mary's the practical one. She sees Jesus going to the tomb of her brother, and he's about ready to remove the stone And she knows that he's been dead for four days. Now, you need to know that in Jewish tradition of that time, there was this belief that the spirit of the deceased hung around where the body was for three days. 
So maybe, maybe in those first three days, I don't know, maybe if you're a miracle worker, you could figure out in those first three days to put the spirit and the body back together again. Maybe, I don't know, but on the fourth day, they're dead. I mean, they're absolutely dead. The spirit is gone, and decomposition of the body has already occurred. And so Martha, knowing that, says, Lord, don't take away the stone. And I love now, this is the reason why you need to have different translations in front of you when you do your Bible study. Because what Angie read to you was this. Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead four days. But in the King James Version, which I love, it says this. Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he has been dead four days. He stinketh. She's right. The whole thing stinketh. The loss, the pain, death, change, hopelessness, fear, depression, past glory, betrayal, failure, illness, it all stinketh. And truth be known, sometimes I stinketh. Sometimes you stinketh. Sometimes we all stinketh. And to that, Jesus doesn't say, oh no, it doesn't stink that bad. Jesus doesn't go and say, let's do some Febreze around here and make things seem better. Jesus, in essence, says, you're right, it stinketh, and it stinketh bad. But I'm going in the middle of stinketh, because I want you to see God's glory. Take the stone away. And Jesus does not race to go upwind or hold his nose or do any of the kind. What he does is he calls out to Lazarus, to stand up and step out. To let go of being dead and take a step towards being alive again. Because Christ was there in the middle of what stinketh really bad, he believed that God could be God So Lazarus Lazarus steps out, and Jesus tells others to unbind him. Can you imagine how it was when they started to unbind him? Imagine they were a little nervous as to what they were going to see. But they unbound him and discovered that in the middle of what stinketh, the glory of God could be revealed. Lazarus steps out and is restored, and his life begins all over again. His life began all over again. What do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go? What stinketh? This is All Saints Sunday, and we gather to remember those who lived with us, who loved us. Those in the list that we've remembered and those of the list within our hearts right now. We come on All Saints Sunday because we believe on All Saints Sunday it's the right day to remember that those saints remain alive in the glory of God. 
We may have grief and tears still plenty for all those that we remember. Some of us are still trying to figure out what tomorrow looks like because they're gone. It's hard to let go. But Jesus comes in the middle of that and invites us to take a step out, to take a step forward. To come into the presence of the new day, claiming the truth and the joy and the hope that exists today. You do understand, of course, that Lazarus did die eventually, right? This is not final resurrection. Lazarus and Mary and Martha would all experience death. They would experience the death of Jesus very soon and see and witness the power of resurrection, of eternal resurrection in him. And then one day they went to their own death. And and the history doesn't record what that death was or what it happened or what it looked like, but I can't help but believe as they were facing their own death, they knew even there the glory of God was being revealed. They knew even there that as they entered into that next realm, they had confidence that the one who could take Lazarus and move him forward and find life after being bound up in those death clothes would be the one who would receive them after this death into the glory with all the rest of the saints. What do you need to let go? Who do you need to become today? To live in the glory of God as it is today. Before he got there, they had no hope. All they had was grief and fear. When Jesus came, it wasn't an automatic fix. They told the story and he wept with them. He began weeping. I don't know how long it took. I don't know for sure for you for how long it will take. But I do know this. Because he was there, the glory of God was revealed and life began over again. All I can tell you today is this. Jesus Christ is here. And he invites you to let go as much as you can today and move forward. Come forward in a few moments and receive his body and blood. And take the step today you can to live into the glory as much as you can do it today. And tomorrow we will do it again. Because whatever stinketh, whatever fears us, whatever breaks us, this is the glory of God who heals, who listens, and restores. Until that one day when we will all feast together again. To God be the glory. Amen.